believing in good things and growth in your life, your family's life, your friends, your work, in every, every arena of your life. We know that God is willing and more than able to work in every corner of your life. Amen? And as we gather together on Sunday mornings, this is the launching point for us to go out in the mission field. When you exit those doors, you're entering the mission field. You are in the mission field. You are a missionary of the gospel. Your life represents Jesus. Your words represents Jesus. Uh, who you are as, as a, an individual and how we love Christ represents Jesus. And people are watching you. When you say you're a Christian, people are watching this is not to put on a face. This doesn't mean that your life is perfect. This just says, hey, listen, my life is messed up, has been messed up, and I'm needing healing every single day. By the grace of God, I'm able to make it one day at a time, and he has, he has uh, uh, provided a, a future full of hope and promises for me. It's a good thing to be vulnerable, transparent, and to say, hey, we have a God that loves us, and he loves you too. When we're working together for our Easter community event, I hope that you all show up because this is an, uh, an area where we get to just let the love of Christ shine through us as a church and just uh, be there for a community. We give an invitation. These events, we just say, hey, this is who we are. This is, a, this is free for you, whether it's a movies at the park or it's the Easter thing. We have uh, a thousand people come out to this, and they get to see you, to see, to see Christ in you, and we just say, hey, this is all free for you. God has given us something free. It's his gift of, of grace for us. We will extend a free gift to you guys. Here's free candy and a, a place for you to come be with your family. And it takes all of us working together as one body. Your gift, your talent, your, the, the ear and the nose. We need you all to make this work. And uh, boy, we're believing and praying for what God is going to do uh, as we influence our community. And this is just one area that we do that. Another thing that we've got going on is our growth track. Amazing things are happening right now. As you're sitting here, there are people in the youth center that are going through the growth track. They're discovering their leadership today. It's, the, it's week three. Each week of the month, we have a class going on. It's a discipleship class. It's our process of, of making disciples here at the church. And uh, week one is our introduction. Week two is discover who you are. We go through a personality gifting test and things like that. You discover who you are. And then we have week three, which is today. They're learning their, their leadership, what it means to have influence in our church. And then week four, they get plugged into a team where they're part of the influence team. And we are um, seeing fruit from that already. And uh, I encourage you, if you haven't attended the growth track, you can, uh, you can attend step one, two, three, out of order. Step four is the only one that you have to attend one, two, three to attend four because that's where you join the team. So lots of things happening and good things, right? Great things. Continue to be in prayer for our church because there's just so much and we want you to get plugged in and get involved. Whew, good stuff. Before we go any further and go into God's word, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you that uh, your word speaks to us today. We ask that you will again speak to our minds and our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have made a mistake? How many of you made a big mistake? How many of you made a mistake today? You're like, I raise my hand. I just, you know. Listen, we, we make mistakes, don't we? Today we're going to go to over Joshua chapter 20. You can head on over there. And we're going to discover mistakes, accidents, 
And this applies to us. And we, Now, if you're new with us today, we are going through the book of Joshua, taking each week and discovering what God has to say to us through uh, his word in Joshua. We're on Joshua chapter 20. And mistakes happen all the time in our life. It's inevitable to go through life without making a mistake. How many of you know that you've made a mistake when um, you have... That you, okay, let me just start over. I've made a mistake. Thinking the window was rolled down when I spit out the driver's side window, right? <laughs> Here, here's one that's even worse. My brother Luke and I, we were uh, riding in the truck together. And my brother Luke, he chews. And he's got uh, the dip in his bottom lip there. And he, he's the kind of guy that it's like a lot. And he's spitting in this empty Coke bottle, and it's filled about halfway full. And it's nasty. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I think you know what I'm talking about. And like a genius, he's got his regular Coke bottle he's supposed to be drinking right next to that one. So he's spitting, spitting, drinking Coke, spitting. He gets it mixed up and takes the biggest gulp. You know, you take a gulp and it's like strings off of your... You know, he didn't do that on purpose. He did that on accident. I'll tell you, I'll tell you another one. I was working construction. Again, this has to do with tobacco. (laughs) My boss, he would chew as well. And he had, he had a, a wad in his mouth and he would, in the framing homes. And I didn't know this. I just started with them. And he would take this and go and put a big chunk of this tobacco like that on the window seal or on the, you know, the floor or whatever. It's just, I found out that was just kind of his regular thing that he did. But I didn't know that. And when I was working, came in to the house, I had my tool bags on, and I see on this window seal this brown, dry owl pellet. <laughs> and Katie, she said, you know, they had an owl in their, uh, their front yard, and she used to dig through it and find mice bones, you know, and I was like, wow, that, that's kind of cool, an owl must have flown in here, and I start picking it apart and peeling it, and it's like <laughs> juices are starting, like, this smells weird, I've never done this before, I'm, I don't know where those mice bones are, and that moment I look up, because my boss is up on the rafters, and he takes that big chew and goes, boy, I made a mistake, <laughs> I mean, that was an accident, and it just is inevitable that we're going to go through life and we're going to have accidents, we're going to make mistakes, we're going to just going to do things that we don't intentionally do, but there is repercussions to the choices that we make, even if it's a mistake or if it's an accident. And that's where we're here with Joshua chapter 20, is there, are, there is a place, a city of refuge for those who have made a mistake and have, have accidents in their lives. So with that, we're going to read Joshua chapter 20, and then we're going to discover what this means to us today and how we can see the picture of Jesus in this text together. Let's read. Then the Lord said to Joshua, tell the Israelites to, to designate the cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses. I want to stop right there. We're... It, in the allotted territory. They're in the promised land. They have kicked out the enemy. The enemy doesn't live there anymore. And now they're enjoying the inheritance of the land. But now they are to separate certain cities to have a special purpose. Cities of refuge. So that anyone who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally 
or as we would say in today's terms, involuntary manslaughter, right? It was an accident. It didn't mean to happen. It was something that was just a major uh, accident. Flee, th- uh, they may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. I'm going to stop right there. This is the time where in biblical times it was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So they didn't, it didn't matter if it was an accident or purpose. It was that, hey, my son has died at your hands, right? You were driving, at, uh, uh, driving drowsy. It was an accident. I don't care. You killed my son. I'm coming to get you legally. I've got the right. It's, 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 it's in the laws. It's, it's my right. I can do this. When they flee to one of the cities, they are to stand in the entrance of the city gate, to stand there in front, and state their case before the elders of that city. Then the elders are to admit the fugitive into their city and provide a place to live among them. If the avenger of blood comes in pursuit, the elders must not surrender the fugitive, provide protection, because the fugitive killed their neighbor unintentionally, without malice, aforethought. They're to stay in that city until they have stood trial. The assembly and uh, before the assembly and until the death of the high priest who is serving at that time, then they may go back to their hometown uh, from which they fled. So they set apart Kadesh in Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali, Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and Kareth Arba, that is Hebron in the hill country of Judah, east of the Jordan, on the other side of the of the Jericho or. Other side from Jericho. They designated Bezerin in the wilderness on the plateau of the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth, and Gilead in the tribe of Gad, and Golan and Bashan in the tribe of Manasseh. Any of the Israelites or any foreigner residing among them who killed someone accidentally could flee to these designated cities and not be killed by the avenger of blood prior to standing before the assembly. This is important for us to take note. Because we get to see a picture of God's grace in the Old Testament. God paints it for you and I that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think that sometimes we think God of the Old Testament is this mean guy. And the New Testament is God is this nice guy. No, God had grace all along. From the time of Adam and Eve, He has instilled grace protection, covering for mankind when they had made a mistake, had sinned against him. He had provided a way of salvation for them always. That's God's grace and forgiveness has always been there. It's just that the New Testament provided the, the, the law to be fulfilled on Jesus. Mistakes. Listen, it's terrible to make a mistake. Sometimes we laugh it off. Sometimes it's terrible because it leaves you stressed, Right? You make a, mis- a, a mistake at work, it can leave you pretty worn out, consuming your mind. You can feel embarrassed, insecurity, ashamed, feel guilty, all because of a mistake or something that you did on accident. As a construction worker, I know that uh, framing houses with a hammer, you're going to smack, smack your hammer at least once. What did I say? Smack, see, I made a mistake. I did that on purpose, just so you know, just to prove a point. Smack your thumb with a hammer, and it is painful. See, just because you make a mistake, or just because you didn't mean to do it, doesn't mean there isn't pain involved sometimes. 
that repercussions of, th- of accidents or mistakes or things undone, done unintentionally doesn't negate the fact that there are consequences to some of those choices. Mistakes can also be deadly. My mom, when I was about 16 years old, she went to the dentist office just for a regular root canal or whatever it was that she was doing. And the, the dentist, uh, she put the ga- or they put the gas on her, which is a mixture of pure oxygen and nitrous oxide. And you have to have the mixture just right because it's, it's poisonous if you have a full dose of either one of those to the fullest extent. Well, as she was at the dentist, that's exactly what happened. They had forgotten to turn on or off one of those elements. And so she had a pure dose of either nitrous oxide or the pure oxygen. Caused her heart to stop. She had a stroke and died. The paramedics came and they revived her. This was at the dentist office. Could bring her home. We had to teach my mom how to walk again. Left side was paralyzed. She, re- she recovered pretty quickly, but there was about a year of recovery time for her. She would slur her words, memory was off, and she would pass out in and out um, just throughout the day. And it was so bad that, that we would be watching TV and she would just glaze over. She wouldn't blink and she would just pass her head back. And my dad would stand up, son, get the phone, call 911. I'd have the phone ready to have 911 dialed and we'd literally have to shake her awake. Nance, Nance, my dad would say. Mom, I'd be standing there as a 16-year-old, just wide-eyed. What am I going to do? Is my mom going to die? And slapping my mom in the face to wake her, wake her up. Now, she recovered fully, and she's great now. But during that time, there was some big repercussions from an accident or a mistake. He didn't do it on purpose, but we were living out for a year someone else's mistake. So mistakes can be painful, mistakes can be deadly, mistakes can be embarrassing, accidents can be hurtful. And they are inevitable in life. They're going to be there. And all of us, I think, whether we raise our hands or not, we can nod our head and say, oh, I've made a mistake, I've been there before. It's just part of being human. That's why God sent His Son, Jesus, because He knew that we're going to be full of mistakes. The Bible is full of mistakes. It's people who have made mistakes. So therefore, the Bible is full of His grace. The question today is, is there a difference between making a mistake and sin? Sin is definitely a mistake, but is a mistake the same as a sin? This is really important to pin, pin this down because we're talking about the root of responsibility. Now, raising kids, if you've raised kids, you know that it's easy for our kids to develop. It was a mistake. It was an accident. Sorry, Mom. I forgot to load the dishwasher. Yeah, I forgot to clean my room. It was a mistake. Sorry. You know, accident. So it's important that we must understand that the difference between sin and mistake relies upon how we view our actions and where the role of responsibility is placed. We see it all the time. And it's really kind of tragic how we downplay sin as a mistake. And it happens at every level. Whether someone is caught cheating on their spouse, it was a mistake, I made a mistake. It's almost as if, oops, but not really taking accountability for that. Filing false insurance claims, oops, did that on accident. 
or shoplifting from a clothing store. Here's something that's um, interesting. Uh, I, when I was a teenager, I, w- I got into some trouble, and one of them was shoplifting. And I got in trouble by the law, and they had to go through this class. Thankfully, I did everything that I was going to do before I was 18, so I'm clear now. I'm not a criminal. It's not on my record. But honestly, I should have been. Um, and I got busted. I thank God for that. If, you're, if your kids are out of line, you know that? Pray for them to get busted. That's the best way, right? <laughs> sometimes we say, God, protect them from getting in trouble by the law, but sometimes that's the best thing, and I'm Proof of that, thank you, Lord, for the police officers that uh, stepped in the gap a little bit there. But I went through this class, and we had to learn about shoplifting. And I bet you, all of you have stolen something, whether you, whether you think so or not. Now, I'm going to give you an increased awareness today, where unintentionally you may have done this, but now you're going to think twice. Have you ever went to the store, and you have picked something up off the shelf, put it in your cart, realized later that you didn't want to put it back on the shelf somewhere else? If you have, technically, that's shoplifting. You could actually get busted for that. I mean, that would be pretty hard for them to really do that and really want to prosecute you, but that is legally um, stealing from one place to another. Even though you're not walking it out of the store, you're moving it from one place to the other. So, uh, don't feel bad about yourself, okay? (laughs) But there's there's a critical difference between the term mistake that implies an error in judgment is something done unintentionally. For example, a legitimate mistake that we have made could be that, right? That's a mistake. Or turning onto a one-way street and going in the wrong direction. You've been there? That was a mistake. Oops, I mean, Siri made me do it, right? Uh, how about pouring salt into your coffee thinking it was sugar? True story. Youth, I was a youth pastor at Canyon Road, and a youth leader... Linda over there, we went on, I'm going to point her out, she was a youth sponsor with me, we went to a, a restaurant with all the teenagers, and I, w- I left, I had food, all that kind of stuff, and I left, I came back, took a drink, and what she had done is, was it a salt or vinegar packet that you had placed inside the straw, down on the bottom, in, it was actually quite genius, <laughs> really, and I took the biggest gulp of that, and it was, that was her mistake, okay? <laughs> because I almost lost my lunch. It was the worst. I mean, we can mistype web addresses. I mean, there's lots of things in our life. We're just full of mistakes. But there's something different when we say the responsibility of the weight of my sin and the weight of mistake, I'm going to carry that. I'm not going to shuffle off and say that, oh, that was just a mistake and not recognize that our shortcoming really is a sin. Whether it's intentional or not, the repercussions of that is still the same. We are trespassing, deliberately stepping over a boundary line. The word trespass is similar. It's meaning entering into a place without permission. But what happens to a place that can't read the, a person who can't read the sign? Well, God speaks to us about this in Joshua chapter 20. We see the sign. We see the trespassing. We see that someone is innocent as they can be with their guilt, but they have still committed an act that is worthy of penalty of death. Then Joshua said to Joshua, tell the Israelites to designate, designate the cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses so that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally or involuntary manslaughter, 
may flee there and find protection from the avenger of the blood. They find that they are being accused. They find they're being um, uh, chased after by an enemy. They need a place to find safety. So how is Joshua speaking to you and I? And how is God speaking to Jesus? To us about Jesus. There's three things that I want to hover over that will help us answer some of these questions today. And it's this. There's a designated place. Two, there's a promise. If we see in this text, there's a promise that was laid with Moses. And three, there's a protection or the purpose. The place is important. God specifically said there are specific areas that I want you to go to. It's only these areas. It's only this place where you will be able to find safety, protection, provision, a refuge, security, hope, and where you will be able to find a place where you can find comfort. It's a specific area. It's the place that I have already set aside for you where I value your life, where you can find where you can find protection for your human life, where justice will be upheld, where mercy could also be obtained. We see that this place was accessible. It wasn't just in the remote area where you had to travel a long, long distance on a dusty, dirty, winding road with no signs on how to get there. And you had to crawl on your feet to get there. No, he made it accessible. This place was accessible for the insiders and for the outsiders. He strategically placed it on the east side of the Jordan, the west side of the Jordan, north and south, so that those people who needed safety and rescue could find it immediately. Is this speaking to us today? It was accessible for everybody, all people. In this picture that we get to read in the Old Testament, we get to see a painting of the accessibility of God's grace. Of not just Him, uh, of us coming to Him, but how He has placed Himself available for us. Reaching, stretching, his hands out to us. They were spread throughout the land, so everyone had access to it. Listen, this speaks to the Israelites and those who are foreigners. How many of us who are Christians still need God's grace? How many of us Israelites still need a city of refuge to live in? That's all of us. How many of those who are not Christians, who do not call God, Jesus their Lord and Savior, need a safety place? It's for them too. So just as much as it is for the outsiders, it's, us, it's for us too. We need a safe place and God provides it for his people and those who don't know God yet. This is what the application is for us, is that we can take a place of refuge, of safety, and we can call it our own. A place where after we have made a mistake, even after we've said, Lord, I'll follow you the rest of my life, I promise I'll never turn my back on you like Peter did, he still needed a place to go to. He still needed a place of safety and rescue, just like us. Now let me be clear about this. What God is doing here, he is not excusing or nullifying the action and behavior and the consequences that happened. Okay, we do not live a life of just saying, well, God forgave me, so I don't have to deal with you anymore. 
There are consequences that we have to deal with, but God deals with those consequences on a spiritual level for us, so we're talking about spiritual things. And he's painting us a picture of that. And we are still needing a place where we can be rescued from the pain and the destruction of our unwise choices. And these unwise choices, whether we did them innocently or not, still need a legal process to protect. We have all broken God's law, whether intentionally or not. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person. There's only one person who hasn't. Of course, that's Jesus, the spotless lamb. He's appointed that there's a place of refuge, that God has appointed a place where sin can be brought. A place, there's only one place that we can find protection and refuge. It's at the cross. It's where we put to death the sins of our past. Put to death. Lay it at rest. Bury it. Jesus' life is an example of the spiritual life that we have. Correct? He was nailed on the cross for us. Spiritually, He is buried. We bury the sins. We get rid of it. And He was risen. And we have new life in Him. Figuratively, figuratively and literally. Spiritually, God has provided for you to not live in the burden of accidents or mistakes. But you get to live in the freedom of purpose. Colossians 2, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, he, he, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Man, that's God speaking to you right there. He's speaking to me. I nailed that to the cross. Let that hang there. Jesus was raised from the dead, but the, the, the sins are still there. Keep them there. Don't resurrect your sins. Let it be buried. Find a place of rescue at the cross. You've got to go to the right place. You can't go to any other God because there is none. There's only one. That is where we go, to the right place. It's access to the right place too. The cross was for everyone. The Jews and the Gentiles. Those who believe we find freedom. And we are all invited on a journey. What he did there was he set up an invitation for everyone. He didn't force it. He didn't make it a command for all the foreigners. He just made himself available. My grace is here for you. You come to me. I am here. I will welcome you. And I will stand in the gap from those who are accusing you. From the accuser, I will block and I will defend. And he will not have entrance into where you live. Where my presence is, he will not be able to stand. He will not be able to come in. He will not have a foothold where I have already protected you and placed you into my refuge. Psalm 119 I love this praise, and it's a praise that's on our lips and our hearts. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word, not my word, not the world's word, not what anybody else has to say, but what God says about you. You will be protected. You will be provided for. I will not leave you. You will be defended. You will be guarded. I put my hope in that, not on what I can see, 
not on what I can determine what is right, what I can determine our problems or issues. No, I put my hope in his word, and his word is faithful, it is true, and his promises are forever, and they are for us to grab a hold of. His grace is for everyone, his mercies are new, and his forgiveness is provided. It's for us. And I stand upon that. And I find a hiding. I find shelter under the wings of God. He gives us His promise that He would give and that all we would have to do would be to receive His protection and mercy if we come to the right place. Where we present our sin and our mistakes to the right person. It's not your mom, it's not your dad, it's not your grandma, it's not your co-worker. It's to Jesus. He's the only one who could legally step in the place and, and defend and protect you. When, the, when the, the law was for an eye for an eye and a tooth for the tooth, legally the avenger of the blood could kill and he didn't care if the death was an accident or not. If he wanted revenge, he could have it. But the Lord has provided mercy by giving up an innocent one who was a son, Jesus, to stand in the gap legally, to find mercy and grace. We have to go to the right place. We have to confess to the right person. Romans 10.9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you confess it with your mouth, that's verbally. Can we get to, back to that? There is power in your words, and there's power in speaking the Word of God. Listen, God spoke everything into creation. Maybe we need to utilize the power that God has written down and he gives us a written word so that we can speak it. And obviously, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and just believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you might be saved. I don't think so. You will be saved. That's a recipe for uh, God's protection is we confess it and we believe it. And sometimes it works together. Sometimes we just need to confess it so we can believe it. And sometimes we believe it so we need to confess it. In both instances, it's powerful for you to utilize. It's a tool that is underutilized in our lives. Maybe in the morning you just need to say, Jesus, I know that you are Lord of this day. I'm not going to wake up troubled before the day even begins. God, I'm going to stand on your word that today is a new day and that you have wonderful things ahead of me and I'm going to attain whatever lessons that you're going to teach me and that you have a purpose for every breath that I take and I'm going to find a safe place in you. Oh God, no matter what happens, I will stand upon you and your word. When the accused was brought into the city, for safety, the avenger of blood could no longer touch him, was no longer allowed in, was not allowed to come in inside and harm him. And it was only when the high priest died, when the high priest died, would he be able to be set free. He could go where he wanted. He could go back to that town. Because he could say that my name was identified with the high priest. And by his death, is where legally the transfer of accusation happened. So the high priest would step in and say, I am taking this, the responsibility of this person that you're trying to accuse, you're trying to attack, and you will not have any legal right to harm him 
when I pass away because I am taking ownership of him. He's mine. He lives in my house. This is who belongs to me. Is this speaking to you? Who do you belong to? You belong to the high priest. Who is that? That's Jesus. He's yours. He owns you. And when he died, what happened? He set you free. Hebrews 4. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heaven, heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. What do we confess? That Jesus Christ is Lord. What do we believe? That he is ours. And he has rescued us. And he has provided protection for us. And we run to the place. We run to the name of Jesus. And we are set free through the death of the cross. And we have a new life in the resurrection. That's how it works. And it's spelled out in Joshua. An Old Testament survey of God's grace. The question is, are you willing to come to the right place? Are you willing to believe in the promise that God can rescue you? And are you ready to let the name of Jesus have purpose and meaning in your life? Are you ready to come to the right place? Are you willing to believe in the promises that God will rescue you? And are you ready to let the name of Jesus have purpose and meaning in your life? Powerful questions for each and every single one of us to take the responsibility and ask this ourselves. No one can answer these except you. It is between you and God. Life-changing questions. Let's stand together. Today you've come to the right place because we present the name of Jesus that provides salvation, that provides healing, that provides peace with God. Life eternal, that this life is not just going to black out when we die, but it's just going to start a new life with God in heaven in His presence for eternity. Come to the right place because we believe in the promises of God and what He has for you. Not, after you, not just after you die, but starting now. And we can find healing and strength. We can find peace with God starting now. And are you ready to let the name of Jesus have purpose and meaning in your life? I want to ask two questions today. Maybe you felt like an outsider. Maybe God has just been on, in distant. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe it's something that um, uh, you know about, but it's not been personal to you. And maybe you've come to church today and you just are, are unsure why you're even here. Maybe a friend brought you, and you maybe have, were thinking it's an accident. I'm telling you right now, God is speaking to you. This is not an accident. God does not make accidents or mistakes. He only has purpose. And you're here on purpose. And if your heart is starting to do this, you know that the Holy Spirit is starting to turn things up inside of you before I even ask the question. If you have never said, Lord Jesus, I need a place of, of rescue. I need a refuge. I need saving. I want to spend my life with you. And you've never called upon the name of Jesus to do that for you. I just want to ask, if that's you, raise your hand. If you've never called out to God, 
Okay. So then we are here together, and this is the second part of the question. How many of us just need more of God's grace? We just need that refuge, that place of healing, restoration, right? Because there is an enemy that is after you. And you're taking a stand every single day. And he's chasing after your marriage. He's chasing after your your home, your kids, your thought life. He's trying to bring despair and discouragement and confusion and doubt in your life. He's trying to kill faith in your life. And we need to be rescued from that. And the only way that we can truly be rescued from that is just laying it down at Jesus saying, God, help me. I'm drowning. Jesus, save me. And Jesus will always dip his hand into the water and pull you out. And walk with you where it's impossible to go by yourself. So what I want to do is ask you to close your eyes. And we're going to pray together. Just repeat after me. Pray a declaration prayer. It'll be short. We're going to believe in the power of the words spoken that God and the angels can hear, but also that the enemy will hear and he'll flee. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I need you. I need your grace. I need your provision. I need your safety. I need your protection. Over my, my heart, my mind, my soul, my life, I need you. Thank you for providing the name of Jesus for me to run to. And today, I stand firm on the name of Jesus with power, with confidence, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to release you with a quick prayer, and then you are dismissed. Father, go before us. Use us in a way that would glorify you this week. Protect us. Provide every blessing, Lord, that you have for every person here as we go into the mission field. Make our voice an instrument that speaks to the people outside these doors with love and with wisdom and with truth. In Jesus' name, we say together, amen. Amen. You are dismissed.